we have asked for and received an opportunity to talk to Leonard Steinhorn. He's a political consultant, educator, professor, and has been very busy lately helping to monitor what's been going on in the U.S. Good morning, Leonard. Thanks for calling back again. Good morning. Hey, thanks for having me. Just a few things going on in our country, huh? I know. Right. <laughs> well, this this is your time. I hope you're happy now, because, boy, there's a lot that uh, really begs uh, for analysis and uh, maybe some the kind of calm that sometimes uh, you, you provide. Well, let's look briefly at the President Trump's history and his legacy as he does an, an exit here. Uh, is it too soon to, to start to reflect on how he might be remembered well, I don't think it's too soon. I think, of course, it's good to have some perspective on all of this, um, but it's not too soon. Um, uh, I think he'll be remembered as somebody who is disruptor, who came in defying the status quo and upending the norms. And that has some pluses, and, but it also has a lot of minuses. And you see where it led our country. Um, in the long run, I think this will be seen as a time of deep division, of deep polarization fueled by the president. He didn't make many efforts to be able to undo that, to be able to calm people down. Um, and I think it will be seen, uh, you know, with an exclamation point at the end of his presidency um, with uh, the sort of the terrible incident that took place at the Capitol on January 6th. That will be seen as sort of a symbolic manifestation of so much of what he stood for throughout his presidency. Now, it will also be remembered for COVID um, and sort of what happened in the final year of his presidency. And he may get credit for Operation Warp Speed and rushing along the vaccines into uh, a sort of emergency approval early this year. Um, but it also may be remembered for uh, what many believe is his indifference to what happened with COVID and the pain and his unwillingness to use the full force of the federal government to deal with it in such a way that our COVID numbers are so extraordinary, so huge, so seemingly unending that it really is going to go down as one of the worst moments in our history because of all the people who have died and all of this disruption that's taken place in our society. So I think he'll be seen as a disruptor, but also a divider, somebody who accomplished a few things and seemed to be riding a good economic wave through the first three years but somebody who really, really seemed indifferent to the suffering of our people and who stoked some of the divisions that showed up at the Capitol two weeks ago. Wouldn't you say, uh, Leonard, that Joe Biden was stoking similar divisions by threatening to undo some things that uh, President Trump did? I mean, he said he wanted to reach out, uh, be the president of all Americans, and yet the first things he's announced that he's going to do are rather divisive with respect to uh, about half the public, how they feel. Yeah, but that's why there you have elections, because President Trump did the exact same thing to President Obama. Um, there's nothing wrong with somebody putting in place their perspectives if they're president of the United States. I mean, you know, to be president and to be elected is not necessarily to stick with something you disagree with just because of the sort of the sort of label of unity. Um, unity has to come through 
common purpose. It has to come through uh, respect for our institutions of government. It has to re- come through uh, come with respect for disagree disagreeing uh, points of view, um, but not to become disagreeable when you express those points of view. So there's nothing wrong with an incoming administration, you know, wanting to implement its agenda. I mean, that's what. Joe Biden ran on, and he'd be an extraordinary disappointment to the 81 million people, the 51 or so percent of Americans who voted for him, um, if uh, he didn't come in and, let's say, rejoin the Paris Climate Accord or undo some of the uh, sort of executive orders that President Trump put in place that Joe Biden ran against. So you have to expect somebody to live up to his word. Donald Trump certainly did that. And it's not because of that that people thought he was divisive. It was because of his rhetoric and his demonizing of certain people and his tweets um, and and the fact that he wasn't telling the truth about things and committed so many mistruths and lies. Um, and so uh, there's a difference between implementing your agenda and dividing people, and I think uh, everyone has to understand that. Is it perhaps indicative, last night in his farewell video, uh, just one series of exaggerations after another, including the American dream has been restored because of the Trump administration. Is that perhaps, is that video going to go down in history as the touchstone to his personality? You know, he certainly had a wide range of claims and policies that you could tout, but to, to, to take each one and say that, you know, it basically saved uh, the country and the world, it's all exaggerated. Well, I think every sort of speech and tweet to historians is going to go down as evidence to build up the story that they're going to tell about the 45th president of the United States. Um, And look, it's, you know, if you think back 20, 30, 40 years from now, um, for historians, it's going to be this utterly fascinating moment because you did have somebody who, uh, again, as I say, came in as a disruptor, was unwilling to accept the status quo, was willing to shatter all sorts of norms, some for good, a lot not for good. Um, and they're going to you know, look at how he communicated with the American people and the fact that, as you say, he did exaggerate or didn't tell the truth at so many uh, points uh, of his presidency to be able to draw that portrait of him and say this is who he is. So what he said yesterday becomes just another sort of artifact of his presidency that will be used uh, uh, to define who he who he was. Um, and you have to hope that 30, 40 years from now, people gain perspective and see what happened and evaluate him in a way that uh, he is deserved. Um, there are already historians saying that he will go down as one of the worst presidents in our history. Um, and, uh, you know, certainly with uh, the moment to weeks ago at the Capitol and him urging an entire mob of people to go and attack the Article One empowered part of our government, Congress. Um, uh, so he's the Article Two empowered executive urging people to attack the Article One Congress. You know, it's hard not to see that as a complete dereliction of duty and a complete disregard for the Constitution of the United States. So I think that will be sort of the unifying principle that people will use uh, 20, 30, 40 years from now to be able to tell the larger story of some of the things you were mentioning earlier and some of the other uh, actions of his presidency without, uh, as historians should never do, without dismissing some of the things that he also accomplished.
Okay, well, he's been impeached twice now, and he will have a trial in the Senate, but he's out of office. The whole purpose of that is to remove somebody from office. He's already gone. Does this make any sense to you? Well, um, it's a good question. Um, and a part of uh, convicting somebody would be to hold another vote immediately afterwards to, to see if you would bar that person from ever uh, assuming a high office again. So if uh, part of the goal is to ensure that uh, uh, sort of ex-President Donald Trump can no longer be a future President Donald Trump, um, then that would serve its purpose. Now, there may be other means and measures to do that through the 14th Amendment, but the most visible one is through conviction. And then these, there's the other side to it, which is um, if you truly believe that um, his actions and behavior on January 6th merited impeachment and do merit conviction, then should your conscience lead you to vote for that, whether he's sitting in the White House or not? Um, it's conviction um, and uh, not necessarily only removal from office. So uh, there's no sort of, I believe, constitutional bar on continuing this once somebody leaves office. But there's that other side to it, which is if uh, the members of the Senate believe he should no longer hold uh, a sort of high public office like this, um, then the conviction becomes a means to that end. But several constitutional scholars have said they believe this is not proper, that you can't impeach somebody after they're out of office. Isn't it likely to increase the division that Joe Biden has to deal with and hold up his effort to get his cabinet confirmed and to act on his legislative agenda? Yeah, and you're right that there are several constitutional scholars who feel the way and others who feel the opposite way. Again, this is uncharted territory that we're in. So, um, uh, you know, that's something that, again, legal scholars are, are going to be looking at as well. Um, but, uh, you know, it, does it further stoke the division? Well, you know, that's a really good question, too, because, you know, where was the division created? Was the division created by somebody who still is not acknowledged? Uh, or mention the words, uh, you know, President-elect Joe Biden. Is it is was the division created by somebody who, basically, uh, as Mitch McConnell uh, said yesterday, spewed out, you know, repeated falsehoods uh, and lies to the American people about uh, our election and our electoral process, and 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 spurred on an attack by. Uh, fomented by one branch of our constitutional government onto another. Um, so where does the division start? And that's the big question. So people who say stop the division, some of them are the very same people who wanted to, to uh, say that the election be, should be overturned and Donald Trump should be installed as president. Um, so again, where does that division start? Where does it end? Where does your moral obligation begin and where does it end? I think those are all good questions and they're often in the eye of the beholder. But this all wouldn't have been necessary had President Trump admitted uh, that he had lost and welcomed Joe Biden as the president-elect and said he gave it a fair fight, did all he could, but the American people disagreed, and I respect the will of the American people as manifested through the Electoral College. We wouldn't even be having this conversation right now. We'd be seeing Joe Biden soon to be at the White House uh, uh, having tea or coffee with President Trump and First Lady Melania Trump, and they would then go to the Capitol together, um, and Joe Biden would be sworn in with Donald Trump sitting there graciously handing over 
power peacefully. Um, so, again, where does the division begin and end and with whom? That's in the eye of the beholder. But this wouldn't all have been happening had President Trump accepted the results of a free, fair, and extraordinarily secure election. Do you have a, a moment left to give us a glimpse of the next four years in your analysis? Well, uh, yeah, I, it was the, the great baseball player Yogi Berra used to say, "I never make predictions, especially about the future." Um, but uh, my own sense is that Joe Biden's presidency will largely be defined in the first three or four months of what he does, because if he's able to mobilize the federal government in a way that President Trump, I believe, chose not to um, uh, in terms of getting resources and helping states organize and getting the vaccinations out there and reaching his goal of 100 million vaccinations in a certain number of days, if he's able to move, work with Congress to uh, create another stimulus plan to be able to uh, turbocharge the economy and help state and local governments out and help more businesses out, give more money to people and put it on in their bank accounts so they can then spend it and put it back in the economy so the economy begins to thrive again. Um, if he's able to restore some of our relations overseas, um, which have been really suffering, um, then I think you'll begin to see if America does start to turn around and regain respect around the world, and if we begin to flex our economic muscle, um, and if we begin to look back at COVID as this horrible memory, but we got through it and people are beginning to lead their normal lives again and businesses are starting to come up. If you see that, then Joe Biden's presidency will probably ride this enormous wave of goodwill that we're finally out of the woods on all of this. But if he falters, if this continues, if uh, the administration's, the new administration's COVID vaccine plan proves to be feckless and ineffective, if uh, the economy continues to sputter, if um, we go further and further into what Biden has said is that dark winter that we face with COVID, um, then I think it's going to be a, a much tougher uh, presidency for him. And, and, and that's only COVID and the economy and international relations. You're also talking about sort of the racial unrest that we've had in the last year or so and how he addresses that and whether he's able to start knitting people back together as one America um, uh, uh, out of many, e pluribus unum, or if we continue to see a leadership from Washington that isn't living up uh, to, to the challenges it faces. So, um, but I do think this next few months are going to help define the Biden presidency. And if he succeeds, he will be seen as somebody who came to town and cleaned up what many believe is a mess and got America moving and started again and helped uh, helped America reach its potential. And that will really help Joe Biden uh, become a successful president. Right. Not doing that. It's not going to be good for him. Well, thank you so much. Very much appreciated. Thank you very much. We hope for the former. So thank you, uh, <laughs> yes. Leonard Steiner. Very much appreciated. We will certainly talk again, and we're glad for your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Take care. Thank you. Leonard Steinord, CBS Bye -bye. Uh, News Bye -bye. Uh, political consultants.